Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Today, we are going to continue in a series that we've started um, called The God of Miracles. This is the second message in probably a three-part series. You know, before we go any further, I just want you to just take a moment and share um, share our, our live stream to, you know, to your page, or you can start a watch party, but I really encourage you all just to take a moment and share that because I believe that the message that I'm going to share today um, is going to have the ability to really um, reach people where they are in this season of life. And so if you can participate with us and share this feed, that would be incredible. But we're in this series called The God of Miracles, and there's so many times when when God takes his super and he adds it to our natural. We see this all throughout history, and many of you, um, because I've heard so many of your stories, you would say, you know what, there's no question, that was a time when the hand of God intervened in my life, and, and um, you know, maybe some of you would say that I shouldn't even be here today, but it was God that preserved me, and, and, um, and I'm just saying that's the kind of God that, that, that we serve. We serve a God that's not so far separated, but he's a God that is close and near, and, um, and, and like I said, he is a God that has zero limitations. I mean, think about that. There's nothing that our God cannot do. There's songs that we sing, you know, about that. And, and, um, and I just love that. The, 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 a God that loves you and cares for you so much has all the ability, come on, to move on your behalf and to show himself faithful to you. And, and uh, so we serve a God of miracles. The book of Psalms in chapter 77, in verse 13 and 14, it says this, what God, and, and it's interesting, it's a little g God, because how many of you know that we can, you know, we create gods, we worship things that are not God, and, 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 and we set up idols, and we create gods that are really not gods, but we treat them as such. And so, so the Bible is using a little g for this word gods, it's not like there's other gods, but it says, what God is as great as our God? And let me just answer that for you if you don't know the answer. None. There is not one that is as great as our God. There's nothing that you can form or faction in your mind. There's nothing that people can create that is as great as our God. He stands alone. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is everywhere at all times. There is none that is as great as our God. It goes on to say that you are the God, capital G, you are the God who performs what? Miracles. You're the God that performs miracles. You display your power among your people. Come on, in the Bible, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the Gospels, there are 35 different miracles that are talked about. Don't worry about it. I've already done the math for you. There are 35 different miracles that are spoken of 
in the Gospels, and they break down like this. 17 of them deal with bodily cures. You know, somebody has a fever, the Lord, you know, touches them. You know, somebody has a heart issue, he touches them. Come on, 17 of them deal with bodily cures. Six of them deal with the deliverance of demoniacs or or demon oppression or demon possession. Six of the miracles that are found in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, deal with deliverance of demons. Three of them deal with raising people from the dead. And nine of the miracles that are found in the Gospels deal with God's power over nature. And this is where we're going to spend some time here today that God has the ability to do miracles, tell the, 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 the you know, nature what to do and how to do it, and we're going to look deeper in that today. But I want you to know this, that these are not the only miracles that Jesus did. Like he didn't just do 35 miracles in his 33 years or three years worth of ministry. He did many, many more miracles. In fact, at the book of John, What we see in John, I believe it's chapter 21, what we see is John is saying, listen, you know, there were many more things that were done, too many to even list. In fact, I'll read it to you. John 21, 25 said, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. And so even though there's only 35 that are written in the Gospels, that are shared in the Gospels. He did so many more miracles. You know why? Because he is a God of miracles. He's a God of the supernatural. And you need to know that. You need to be reminded of that today. Today we're going to take a look at, at, at Jesus messing with nature a little bit. We're going to take a look at the story of the calming of the storm. And this story is found in two of the Gospels. You know, a lot of the times people don't realize that that the Gospels oftentimes share the same story, not always, but they share the same story, but it's from a different perspective. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's four different perspectives in some cases about the same story. It's different people and, and what, they, what they saw and what they witnessed in the story. And so we're going to look at this, the calming of the storm, and we're going to look at it in Mark, and we're also going to look at it in Matthew We're going to combine both of those, and I'm going to share both of those so that we can get kind of a a deeper understanding of really what was happening here. But what a powerful, powerful story. And this is the story that we're going to be checking out first in the book of Mark. It says in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, it says this, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. I want to pause there for a second, and I want us to really grab hold of the fact that Jesus declared that they were going over to the other side. I'm telling you this, that when Jesus declares he's going to do something, there is absolutely nothing along the way that is going to be able to stop him. He made a declaration, listen, we are going over to the other side, and guess what? They are going over to the other side. He said this, leaving the crowd behind, they took him, they took Jesus along as he was in the boat. There were also other boats that were with him. 
And it says the furious squall. I just love that. A, a huge storm. It just rose up and the waves began to break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And, and, and I just, I got to pause right there again because I have to believe that that is how so many people are feeling even today. Just kind of overwhelmed, a little bit swamped. You know, not only do we have this coronavirus and the COVID-19, but if you add anything else on top of that, the next thing you, you feel like is, oh my goodness, you know what, I, I, I'm sinking. You know, so many people like the being separate from your, your kids and your grandkids or some people not being able to work, like that's enough. But then some of you just deal with regular sickness or anxiety or depression or maybe, you know, you've lost your job or, or, or just maybe you're having a hard time, you know, coming up with, with rent for your apartment or your house payment, you know. And then all of a sudden it's just one thing on top of the other. And it feels like, like you could say, yeah, that's me. It feels like I'm in a storm and, and the storm's getting the best of me. I'm sinking quickly. It goes on to say that while this was happening, Jesus was sleeping. He had, he had a cushion. He had a pillow that he was laying on. And, um, and the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And, um, and I just believe that, that once again, you know, people are kind of feeling like that. It's like, God, aren't you paying attention? I know that you're the God of miracles. You see what's going on in our world today. You have the power to change what's taking place and what's happening, but, but it doesn't seem like you're doing anything. And so we begin to question God, and, and they question him. They said, listen, don't you even care that we're going to drown? And we can be in that same place. Don't you care? Aren't you paying attention? You know, I hear about everybody else getting their miracle, but what about me? You know, what, where, where, where is your hand of power in my life? Where is your super affecting my natural, you know what I mean, in my life? I hear about it from everybody else, but where is it in my life? And, and we can get that way. And so in Matthew, we've got the same story in a different gospel. And I want to pick up Jesus's response, the same story, but it's in a different gospel. It's found in the book of Matthew in chapter 8. Matthew in 28, or uh, chapter 8 and verse 26, it says this, Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? He says, then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? Man, we've been traveling with this guy for a long time now, and we've seen some really amazing things, but, but what kind of a man is this? You know, if I was going to be honest, you know, if I was really going to be honest, I would say that, you know, sometimes... I question who God is in my own life from time to time. You know, I think I know him. I think I got him figured out because he did something a certain way back here, but then he, he fails to show up in a certain other place in my life, or he does something completely different in, in a different situation. And, and I'm thinking, man, God, I thought I knew you. I thought I knew who you were, but sometimes, you know, or right now or whatever's going on, you know, I don't, I don't think I know you. And I think that we can go through that sometimes. And typically, when I feel like that is whenever I begin to put him in a box. 
Oh, he did it this way back here, therefore he's going to do it again here. And then when here doesn't come to pass or it's completely different, he handles, handles it a completely different way, it causes me to think, man, do I really even know who you are? And I'm just saying, man, the Spirit of God is just ministering to me because if we're not careful as Christians, what we can see is God doing something incredible in our life and then all of a sudden we say to everybody else that might be in similar situations that God's going to do this, this, and this. And then when he doesn't, you look like you don't know who he is and you're questioning who God is because he didn't deal with the situation the same way. And I'm just telling you, man, I'm being ministered to right now. I'm telling you, you know, my wife and I, when we got together, we didn't do very many things right. And, and, and for some reason, God's grace and mercy was, was, was significant in our life, and, um, and, and he was able to forgive our foolishness. And he was able, come on, to work through all of the baggage that was caused because of that foolishness. But I'm just telling you this, if I, was to, if, if I was to sit down with marriage counseling and do some counseling with a new couple that's getting together and say, really, it says this in the Bible, but you really don't even need to follow that. I mean, just look at me. Look, look, at, look, at, look at me in my marriage. I'm telling you, that would be foolish for me to do. And so sometimes we see that God had a little extra measure of grace and mercy for us in a certain area, and then we forget what God's word says about other things, and we just say, oh, really, you know, it really doesn't matter. You don't need to really follow that because, look, it worked out good for me. And I'm just saying that that's foolish, but yet we as Christians, oftentimes we give counsel to other Christians because God's extra measure of grace and mercy was sufficient for us, and he did things different with us, and we're just like, you know, we're, we're steering them in the area that worked for us, and it won't work for them. God's word needs to be the very thing that we share always. And if he chooses, come on, to do something different, give a little extra grace or, or mercy, then just celebrate the fact that he did that thing. Man, I just, I tell you what, I, I wish you could feel what I'm feeling right now. So he says, what kind of, you know, they, the disciples say, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So in this story, you may not have picked it up, but there's three different storms that are taking place in this story, the first storm is a physical storm. It, it's a natural storm. For the disciples, it, it dealt with wind, it dealt with waves, it dealt with lightning and probably thunders, and, and it, was, it, was, it was amazing, it was powerful, it was, it was overwhelming, it was probably dark, it said in the, in the, you know, as the evening was happening. So, so I'm sure it was quite the display of nature's power. But it was a physical storm, and, and you're in a physical storm right now. You know, some of you are really affected by COVID-19, others not so much. But, but, but let's be honest, this is a, a, a real deal. You know, some people are just trying to play it off as if it's nothing. You know, it's absolutely nothing. But the truth is, is some people have died because of this. And that's a very sad thing, and my heart goes out to anybody that has lost somebody because of the coronavirus. I am grateful, however, that it has not, it hasn't even come close to, 
to reaching the numbers that they were thinking that it was. And I just want to praise the Lord. And I believe that I, I just, I, I'm just grateful for that. That's all I'm going to say uh, about that. But, but, but it's a real deal. You know, I, I tell you what, man, I have washed my hands more in these last two months than I have in my whole life. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I got like, like, like you know, I, I just wash my hands all the time. I'm, it's weird for me not hugging people. I'm a hugger and, and shaking hands. I hope I, 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 you know, I hope I don't lose that. I hope you know, if you're a hugger, I hope you don't lose that in and through this time. I hope that I hope that we can get back soon to having physical contact and connection because I think that's I think that's important. Um, physical gestures. Hey, you know, I, I I welcome you. I receive you. I honor you. I thank you. I think it's I think it's important. But I'm saying that you know I, I I'm mindful. I don't touch my face. I'm always touching my face, but I don't touch my. I mean, there's weird things that have taken place, and it's because this is a real deal. And I want to I want to be wise. I want to use the mind that God has given me, you know, just to exercise wisdom. You losing your job, it's a real deal. It, 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 it's, it, it's affecting you and your bottom line. Maybe you're not having the ability to, you know, pay your bills on time or to, uh, you know, you know wor- you're worried about losing, you know, the p- very place that you live. Come on, somebody wants to downplay that. That's a real deal. It's absolutely happening. Maybe you've lost somebody that you love. Listen, these are physical storms. And what happens when we, when we enter into physical storms is we stand upon the, the word of God. We use our minds. We use wisdom, but we don't downplay them. We don't, we don't say, okay, come on, just don't, you know, that's just crazy. Come on, we, we, we think, you know, we educate ourselves, we, we use our minds and we work through it. But I'm telling you this, we all deal with physical storms, but if you don't deal with it appropriately, it can grow into something much greater. It can grow into emotional storms. And emotional storms have the ability to destroy people. You know, we got this, 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 you know, this disease that's, that's going out, this virus that's going out. But I'm telling you this, that, that people are panicking and they're fearful. You know, I've heard, I, I don't know of anybody that's done this, but, but I've heard that, you know, people are, are just getting the common cold and automatically because they haven't, they haven't walked through the physical storm properly, now they've got this emotional storm going on and automatically they think that they're dying. And sometimes... The, the, the heart failure is the thing that kills them, not the virus, because they're, they're fear. And I'm telling you this, that fear and anxiety can kill. It can, it, can stop, it can stop your heart. And so it's important that we deal with physical storms properly so that they don't grow into emotional storms. You see, the disciples, they, they went into an emotional storm. They didn't deal with the physical storm properly. And so this is what they said, we're going to drown. We're going to die out here. They forgot what Jesus said. Jesus said, listen, we're crossing over. We're going over. They forgot the promise. They got in the middle. They didn't deal with the middle properly. And then all of a sudden, Jesus doesn't care, and we're going to die. And, and, and we see this happening even today. You know, allergy season is among us, and I don't know about you, I don't deal terrible with, terribly with allergies. Some people, I really, my heart breaks for them. But this time of the year, you know, every year I get this little scratch in my throat, and 
and my nose starts running, my eyes water just a little bit. And last night, um, my daughter was over for, for just a few moments, and, and I started getting this little scratch in my throat, and I'm like, <clears throat> I'm clearing my throat, and it's going on for about 30 minutes, and Ashley's looking at me like, oh, Corona, you know, you got the Corona, and I'm like, and then I started thinking, no, come on, and then I'm starting to think, <clears throat> I hope I don't have the Corona, you know, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so, and so, once again, I deal with this every single year, but there's so much focus on, on this, what they call uh, to be a pandemic. There's so much focus on it. Come on, if we're not careful, our thoughts and our minds are going to go directly to, well, that, that must be what this, what this is. And if you don't deal with the emotional storms properly, they can turn into spiritual storms. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but a spiritual storm is this. You know, you know maybe, maybe God doesn't even care. You know, I thought he was a God that cared and a God of love, but maybe, maybe that was just a big lie that I was taught when I was just a child. And I, I was goofy enough just to you know, grow up and begin to believe it. And if you're not careful, you know, you can start talking to the wrong people and then you'll start even questioning. Maybe God, the idea of God isn't even real. And now you're in a huge, terrible spiritual storm that absolutely, not, not only does it have the ability to kill your body, but it has the ability to rob you of your inheritance of being with God for all eternity and being in that family. What did the disciples say? You don't even care if we drown. I'm telling you this, that this is a bad theology. Like the disciples, after all that they had seen, after the promise that was given before they even started the journey, what, what did they say? You don't even care if we drown. This is simply not true. But this was the perception of, of, of their leader sleeping and their panic and their fear-driven, you know, uh, moment that they were having. Come on, God doesn't even, Jesus doesn't even care if we, if we drown. I'm telling you this, that storms do one thing if they do anything. Storms reveal the depth of your relationship with God. Storms will reveal the depth of your relationship with God. Let's be honest, not everybody has a very deep relationship. Matter of fact, some of you have no relationship with God. Some people that are tuning in potentially have zero relationship with God. Their relationship with God consists of going to a church every once in a while, listening to a message, being encouraged by the message, but at the very moment that any size storm hits, come on, there's, you never even approach God because there's no relationship there. What you do is you approach somebody that has the relationship with God. And I'm telling you this, that that is wrong. It is not significant. That has never been God's plan. God wants you to know him. He wants you to surrender to him. He wants you to trust him. He wants to show his trustworthiness to you. But I'm telling you what, the storm will always reveal how deep the relationship is. And sometimes we think 
that our relationship is much deeper than it really is. And without the storm, we're not going to realize that, wow, there's work that needs to be done. I'm telling you, this this is a positive thing. Because the only thing that's going to be revealed in, 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 in the short depth relationship is the fact that you need to cultivate more of a relationship with the Lord. And this is a beautiful thing. In fact, the Lord himself is showing you that we're not that deep together. He's showing you that he wants to go deeper with you. He wants to show himself in greater measure to you. So this isn't a negative statement that we might not have a strong, deep relationship with God. It's a positive one because he's revealing there's a lot more that I have for you. Man, oh man. Storms reveal the depth of your relationship with God. Let me ask you a question. What if the true miracle that took place in this story was the miracle of God calming the storm on the inside of the disciples and not the external storm that they were dealing with? What, what, what if God right now, whatever it is that you're going through, like, the re, like you're praying, you know what I mean? Take this disease away. God, protect me from you know, being fired at my job or laid off. Like, like those are really cool things to pray for. But what if the real miracle is God saying, listen, no, I'm going to let them fire you. I might even, you know, you might even get sick for a period of time. But what if the powerful miracle that God is wanting to do is controlling the storm on the inside of you by taking you through a storm on the outside? You see, I'm telling you this, that God is wanting to grow us up and to mature us. He wants to show himself. He wants to give us some experience where we can look back and the next storm comes along and we're not even phased by it because we've been through something deeper, greater, harder, more difficult back here. And we, and we choose not to forget what it is that God has done, but we choose to remember Come on, what if the greater miracle is the work that's being done on the, on the inside? Hebrews 6 and verse 19 says this, that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Let me ask you a question. Why in the world would your soul need to be anchored in the first place? I believe that your soul needs to be anchored in the first place because it has a tendency to drift and it has a tendency to wander. I believe that your soul needs to be anchored. Your spirit needs to be anchored because we might be good over here, but then a little bit of time you know, passes by and now we're being pulled and, 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 and tossed you know, from the waves that, you know, that, that, that are all around us. I believe that our, our soul and our spirit has a tendency to wander and so it has to be anchored. It has to be anchored to something firm and secure. You see, you might not be able to control the storm like Jesus did. Listen, man, I, was, I went last week, I think it was last week, I went to, I went to Boise on my motorcycle. And, um, and we hit about Mountain Home. And then all of a sudden, I got my radio going. And there's a severe weather uh, warning. And I can see it. I mean, it looks like a, like a tornado. And then all of a sudden... You know, I, I learned that it was a tornado. 
And, and we rode right into the middle of this thing. I'm telling you what, off of that desert, the wind was blowing 65 miles an hour, and I felt like I was driving through a sand blaster, and we just kept rolling, we just kept going. And I'm telling you this, that when I started approaching it, I started having this conversation, man, how cool would it be? Lord, just part the seas of this storm, and I'm gonna ride right on. It didn't happen. I wish, maybe my faith isn't strong enough, but I was believing that God was just going to separate. No, we went right through the heart and the worst part of the storm. So you may not have the power as Jesus did to stop the waves and stop the wind, but you do have the power to feel secure and safe. You see, I wasn't, there wasn't one ounce of me that thought for a second that I was going to lose my life in that situation. And it was terrible. I've never been through a storm like that before. But I was safe and secure. It was terrible. I'd have done anything to have a full face helmet on. I'd have done anything. But I'm telling you this, that I could control the storm on the inside. And I'm telling you this, that sometimes that's what the Lord's saying. It's like, listen, you can't control everything around you, but you can control what's inside of you. I'm telling you what, somebody just needs to hear that right now. You just need to hear that God has given you power and peace on the inside if you'll just tap into it, if you'll just not be so easily moved by what's going on around you and be secure in your relationship with him and what it is that he's doing in your life. I'm telling you God's wanting to establish something there an anchor I think an anchor is interesting I want to say thank you to George Thompson I called him last night late and I said listen I need an anchor he told me where it was George I'm sorry I had to cut your rope I did not want to bring 250 feet of rope with me so I cut your rope and I'm sorry please remember I cut your rope Whenever this is back in your boat, you don't throw it over the side, and then all of a sudden, you lose your anchor. Please remember that I did that. But an anchor is interesting. This side of the anchor, I don't know if you know how these work. I'm going to give you a quick lesson. An anchor is interesting. You secure this side to what's important, your watercraft, you know, whatever it is, your boat, whatever it is, you tie it to this side, make sure it's nice and secure. You have a long enough rope to go down to the bottom of the river that you find yourself in or the reservoir, and you throw this over the side. You let out all the line until it hits the bottom, and then you secure, you make it tight, you make it secure to your watercraft. And this is what happens the job of this anchor, I think it's interesting, it opens up by itself. The job of this anchor as it drags across the bottom is to find something secure. Hopefully like a rock, you know, a big rock, it'll grab hold of that or some bedrock or maybe even a log, an old log that had been down there for a long period of time. But it's dragging as your boat is being moved up above. It's dragging until it catches hold of something that's secure. You see, everything around the, that thing, that one thing that is not moving, everything around that is moving. It's, being, it, it's, it, it's just going wherever. But that thing is secure. And the idea is that this attaches to that, which is unmovable, 
And it doesn't matter as you follow this rope all the way up to the top. It doesn't matter what's happening on the surface. As you are secure down here, you're going to be secure up top. And that's the idea of an anchor. And this is what it is that God wants us. He gives us some things that we're supposed to be anchored to. I'm going to give you three things that your miracle may have everything to do. The miracle that you're in need of may have everything to do with how well you are anchored. Or maybe you're going to realize that you're not anchored at all and you need to make some shifts and some changes. Three, three things to anchor to. Number one is God's presence. Like we have to cultivate the presence of God. We have to practice the presence of God. Come on, in your crisis, I'm telling you this, that what you need to learn how to do in your crisis is to worship. And you don't need to wait until Sunday morning to worship or Wednesday night. You need to grab a hold of the ability, come on, to worship. Because a lot of times people don't know what the presence of God is like on their own. And so when crisis comes, they can't pull on the presence of God. They can't enter into the presence of God because they've never done it before. They haven't practiced the presence of God. So this is what they do is they seek people that know how to get into God's presence. They know they need the Lord, but I'm telling you this, I think we are messing up as a, as a church and a people instead of being you know, a, a group of people that are, that are raising up people to stand upon their own spiritual legs, we're just kind of massaging them. We're kind of working them over. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're making them feel better until the next storm comes and then they've got to come back. Like, listen, the best thing that we can do is teach people how to entertain the presence of God themselves. And then come and get the prayer and come and get the help. But listen, your relationship with God is not meant to be through another person. You have full access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so I've prepared just five or six songs that that, I, that, that it's going to be posted on your end. You know, you don't know how or you don't know what songs. You can go out to Spotify and add these to your favorites. You can go out there. They're just six songs, 20 to 25 to 30 minutes of music. It doesn't take longer than that, where you can just get off by yourself or with your family and begin to play these songs and begin to just open your heart and your mind to the ministry of the Holy Spirit as these songs are anointed. And, they're, and, they're, and, and there's so many more. These are just a few. But I want to resource you with these here today. In your crisis, you need to worship, not search for everybody else that knows how to entertain the presence of God, but learn how to entertain God's presence for yourself. Psalm 91 and verse 1 says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Come on, I love that dwelling. Like, he, he's not saying visits. Come on, he's not saying, hey, you know, go on vacation. It, dwelling to me, it just means, man, this is a familiar place. This is a common place. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find rest. And what you need more than anything right now is the rest of the Lord to enter into God's rest, not caring about, and you're not, you're not saying those troubles aren't there. You're not, you're not sticking your head in the ground and acting like, oh, no, no. You know, you're not, you're not one of those weird people that's like, no, no, I just won't even allow myself to think. Listen, it's naturally reality that these things are taking place. 
you know, you're not acting like they're not taking place, but you're just saying, listen, I know they're happening, but I choose to dwell, come on, in the presence of the Lord. And in that place, I find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. I think that's interesting. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. So I've got this playlist for you. I want to just close this portion of the service by saying this, that peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. You know, so many times people are praying for the absence of trouble or for God to remove the trouble, but peace is the presence of God. That's why you can have people going through difficult times that are just not even shaken by it because they practice the presence of God. Number two, we're anchored when we remember God's promises. Psalm 119 and verse 81 says this, my soul faints. Come on, I'm about to pass out here. I'm about to freak out here. My soul faints, the Bible says, with longing for your salvation. God, will you just save me from this thing? But it's almost like it says, nonetheless. It doesn't say that. These are my words. So so I'm about to freak out with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. Listen, I encourage you to be fully aware of of the state of our world and, and what it is that we're going through and you know, you should have some education as to what people are thinking. The problem is, is you can't really trust. I, you got to find some sort of a newsworthy, you know, voice that you, can, that you can really trust. And I don't know about you, but I've had such a difficult time just finding, you know, there's, everybody's talking, but, but I question the truth in which sometimes people are speaking. And so I'm not saying you know, bury your head, don't pay attention, don't be aware. But I am saying this, that if you're watching too much news and you're not going to the Lord at all, you're, in, you're gonna be in a mess in a, in a big way. And I would say this, that this is one of the biggest problems that people are dealing with is they've got a healthy diet of, of sometimes garbage and they don't have any diet of the truth of God's word. Let me just say this, if, if you're spending an hour a day Come on, you know, educating yourself, listening to, you know, all these mainline, you know, news media streams and reading articles and, and, and blogs and things like that, then, then why don't you also try to match an hour a day in God's word? Because I think that what will happen is it will keep you in a healthy state, in a healthy place, and, um, and, and you won't get out of balance and all messed up. I'm telling you this, don't allow your circumstances to speak louder than what God's word is speaking. Don't allow the circumstances that is either happening to you or happening around you to be a louder voice than what God's word is in your life. Number three is this, understanding God's process anchors us. And this is our last point here today, understanding God's process anchors us. I think it's so powerful that before Jesus ever spoke to the storm, he spoke to his disciples. Before he ever said anything, before he addressed the storm, before he addressed the problem, he spoke to his disciples. First of all, he spoke to his disciples all the way back here saying, listen, we're, we're, we're going over. And I believe that if they would have remembered the promise of Jesus of what was going to happen, they probably would have approached the problem a little bit differently. 
So he spoke to the disciples before he ever spoke, come on to the storm. And he's speaking to you today. I want you to understand that he's always speaking. And whatever it is that you're going through, he's got a voice. He's not being silent to you. You just got to learn to listen to what it is that God is saying. And it will come through the strangest of places. I remember this was a couple months ago. You know, I was dealing with something and I'd been reading a little bit, but praying more. And, um, and, I, was, and I had questions about certain things that I was dealing with. And then all out of the sudden, uh, all of a sudden, I get a, a strange text. And this text was from Jamie Johnson over in Hazleton. And uh, this text, I thought maybe I got it wrong or he was sending it to somebody else because he approached the text message like we had been in this long conversation and that I had made a statement. And then he sends me this text and the text said this, you're right. I said, you're, you're right. I, I haven't talked to Jamie in, in a few months. You know, you're right. I hadn't texted him in, in probably a year. I get this text message, you're right. And, I, and I, I'm a really deep person. So I responded, what? Question, 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 question. And then all of a sudden, Jamie calls me and he said, man, I feel like such a fool. I said, why, why, do, you feel like such a, why do you feel like such a fool? He said, that's the dumbest text I've ever sent anybody in my entire life. I said, what, do you, what is going on here? What are you, I'm missing something here. I'm not, he said, I don't know, man. I was driving down the road and, um, and the Lord said, send Pastor Travis a text that says you're right. And he says, I've never done that before. I feel so stupid. I, I feel ignorant. And I'm like, oh, I, I just got chill bumps. And, and I was like, listen, man, there's more going on than what you even realize. The Lord just used you to confirm something to me that I was not sure about, like I thought, but that's how God is. And so oftentimes it may not be absolutely clear. You may not even identify that it's God doing the speaking, but he will confirm it. He'll confirm it. I've had God confirm things a thousand and one different ways. You know, I'm, I'm going through the emotions. His voice isn't really clear. I have some different ideas. I'm leaning towards one idea. And then all of a sudden, I'm reading God's word or I'm reading a devotion or something. And it speaks exactly to what it is that I'm dealing with. And I'm like, oh, glory. I mean, it's incredible. And so I'm telling you this, that he is speaking to you today. You need to listen and he will absolutely confirm it. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2 says this. And we rejoice in the hope. The hope. Hope speaks of the present and the future. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only that, we also rejoice in our sufferings. That, listen, church, we need to be a people that learn to rejoice when we suffer, because we know that suffering produces something. It produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character, hope, on and on and on. See, trouble doesn't build character. Character It reveals it. Oh, yeah, you know, sometimes people are like, yeah, this trouble that I'm going through, it's just going to build so much character in my life. No, listen, that trouble that you're going through is going to reveal what kind of character you've built already. And once again, these are amazing litmus tests because sometimes we either feel like 
we're better than we are, and then we're revealed, it's revealed to us that, wow, man, I need to get back into spending time in the presence of God. I need to get back to, to reading God's word. Man, I haven't sat down and just prayed or spent time in, in prayer and in, 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 you know, in a while, man, I've got to get back to these things, or trouble comes and you're thinking that you're some meek, weak you know, person that doesn't have any, you know, any abilities, no strength. And then all of a sudden you're looking around and everybody else is in panic and fear and worried. And you're just like, what's the big deal? What the Lord is doing is he is revealing, come on, that you are stronger, that you've got a greater character than what you're giving yourself credit for. What's coming out I'm just saying this, that God uses seasons like this to make us better. I'm going to close with a story. I'm not a very good barbecuer, but I like to do it. I got, I got a couple different barbecuers, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting them figured out. I've got a Traeger that I really, really enjoy. But I've realized this, that whenever you cook a real, like you go get a nice steak, and you're super jacked about it, you're excited about it. Like the temperature matters, you know. <laughs> I'm like, turn it up, you eat faster, you know. Turn it down, it takes a lot longer. Well, there's more to it than that. My simple mind doesn't always work in my favor. But there have been times where I've turned my grill, just I'm, I'm a little too hungry, I turn my grill like way too high. And it'll go high. So I, I, I put them beautiful big steaks on the grill and it's fire hot man it's just hot I go back just moments later and it's like beautiful brown I mean it's just like that is just like a steak is done at the steakhouse they ain't got nothing on old TT (laughs) and I pull that baby off only to get it inside and I take the knife and and, and some of you guys like your steak still breathing I don't (laughs) I don't like that's not a good steak for for me but I take that steak inside and and I take the you know there's a knife test you cut the steak open and it's I've cut it open it looks so beautiful on the outside I've cut it open and could have swore I saw the heart beating still <laughs> I cut it open and it's just blood and 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 so what it it reveals that you're not as done or it's not as done as you thought it was. And I'm just saying this, that sometimes we don't like the knife test. We don't like to be cut. We don't like to be hurt. We don't like the heat. But I'm telling you what, it's sometimes in trouble when you're cut that it's, it reveals that you've got some work to do. And the Lord in his goodness and his love is saying, listen, I'm just showing you that there is more, that we can go deeper, that, 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 that there's more that I want to reveal, come on, in and through your life. Would you please just come with me? And so what you do at that moment is I guarantee in my home, you don't just say, well, we'll get it right next time. What you do is you take that that steak that's just raw looks good on the outside and you take it right back out to the grill and you leave it on there for the appointed time so that you can enjoy it but guess what you're putting it right back in the fire 
right back in the furnace, right back in an uncomfortable position, come on, so that it will be made ready. And I'm telling you this, that we ought not as Christians fight the difficult times all the time, but let's lean upon the Lord. Let's not trust in our own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him, even when it doesn't make sense, say, you know what? God promised some things back here. I didn't see this coming, but he also said in this promise that we're going someplace. Like, I know for a fact that I'm getting through this because there's some things that he has promised me over there, and if I wasn't going to get through this, there's no way that I would be able to fulfill those promises. And I'm just saying this. It's time that we come on, begin to grow up in the Lord. Amen. Amen. I promise you this, church, that this too shall pass. And if it doesn't pass for you, if you remain in the Lord, if you remain faithful, come on, the next thing, like let's just say the worst thing happens. This takes your life you remain in the presence of God, if you remain in him and he in you, come on, you're going, to, you're going to be resurrected. And I always say this. I always think it at every funeral. I've said it at a couple of funerals. I always say, of this person, if they were, this is a person that loves Jesus. Not perfect, but they love the Lord. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. God knows. God knows. Of this person, they were given the chance to come back and be with us they would say no I'll just remain here they'll be here short enough soon enough I believe that amen Amen. you believe God's word for your life today I want to encourage you that if you don't know him in the book of Romans it says this that if you believe in your heart confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord you will be saved You need to believe that Jesus is the Lord. He's the only begotten of the Father. He lived a sinless life, lived 33 years, died upon a cross, laid his life down. There were people that were driving nails through his hands and his feet, but he did so willfully so that if you would believe in him, if you would say, God, I believe in you and please forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life, if you would but do that, he will save you. And I'm telling you, not only will it affect this life, but I'm telling you that we have a promise of a life that is to come that is greater than any book that's ever been written, any dream that's ever been had. I believe it's going to be beautiful. Being in the intense presence of God all the time is what's available to us. And it's going to be more beautiful, reunited with people that have gone before us that you've never even had the privilege to meet. Some of them you have had the privilege to meet. You will see them again. You'll be reunited with them, and it's going to be joy unthinkable. It's going to be love unthinkable. It's going to be all things great, greater than you can imagine. So my question is this. Will you receive him today? Will you just say, I receive you, Jesus. Please forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. If you'll do that, I promise you, Jesus will do that. He'll do that very thing. He will save you. He'll he'll give you a spirit. He'll live in you. Yet your life will become something completely different than it's ever been in the past. And you will be like, man, why did I wait so long? So I'm asking you to receive him today. 
And if you will pray that prayer, you don't have to do it right now, but I encourage you not to wait. If you will pray that prayer, I want you to dial this phone number, 208-481-8110, and just put the word saved in the bottom. It'll give me a chance just to stay, stay abreast of you, to walk alongside of you and talk to you about some things that, that you need to consider. But I want to say thank you for making the greatest decision that's ever been made. That's receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you so much. I want you to turn your attention. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 8.45 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.